At Cool Air Products, we developed AC Smart Seal Quick Shot with professionals in mind. It's the only product on the market that's three in one with sealant, lubricant, and UV dye all in a single application. It's non-toxic, non-flammable, 100% safe to the touch, eco-friendly, and compatible with all refrigerants. It's a safe solution option, backed by years of R&D, Intertech tested, and has sealed millions of leaks. AC Smart Seal, the professional's choice. Okay, so a couple of weeks ago on Facebook, I posted Navax um, flaring gauge tool so you can gauge your flares to see if they're the right size. Well, that got a good conversation going, right? It was polarizing, <laughs> as always, when a new product is kind of posted or posted or comes out. Now, within that conversation, we had a conversation about Nylog because we were on the flare conversation, right? And um, then the manufacturer warranty thing came up. Okay. So I think it was the very next day, Brian Orr reached out to me. He's like, hey, you want to uh, do a podcast on this warranty thing? And he didn't refer to the Facebook, uh, the, the, the Facebook post and feed. So I'm like, is that a coincidence? Or did Brian read it? <laughs> so yeah he told me later he read it so i thought it was too much of a coincidence that it happened that way anyway so brian and i are going to have this discussion on on this warranty thing and it could be a little bit controversial could be walking the line of controversial but that's okay because that's what we're here for to discuss matters within the trade so you guys sit back relax enjoy this is the first time brian and i have gotten together on a podcast um here it comes Myself and Brian are. All right, so this is a um, this is a first for me in the HVAC school era, which is that I've got Gary here. So thanks for joining me, Gary, or joining hey, us, I should say. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> thanks for the invite, Brian. I appreciate it. Yeah, so this is going to actually go out on both of our feeds. So both on the HVAC school feed and the HVAC know-it-all feed. Um, and so I, I reached out to Gary a little bit ago. There was there was some uh, you know typical social media stuff going on, which triggered uh, triggered a thought and just generally triggered me. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I thought, you know what, Gary and I need to get together on a podcast. So we're doing it. We're we're both here talking about. Uh, I guess I, I actually I don't really know what the title of this should be. Do you do you have any ideas for a title here? Um, voiding warranties and why texting <laughs> think it's so important to listen to manufacturers. I don't know so, so, something along those lines. <laughs> yes, yes, I, I think that works. Um, I'm more so uh, m maybe mindlessly quoting um, things that you've heard rather than investigating yourself. M maybe that uh, is another angle there. Yeah, exactly. So I, I mean, if you want to go ahead and, and kick kick it off, I mean, you, you had the idea of talking about this. I did a sort of a prerequisite rant the other day, just because it it, it had been on my mind since last week. So I just had to shout it out and, and just get it off my, my chest. But um, I mean, I'm glad you reached out. And now we're having this conversation. So if, if you want to kick it off and give me your thoughts on on exactly why you think so many techs 
kind of kind of follow this this Bible of it will void your warranty if you do this. Yeah. Okay. So uh, let me go back um, to the very beginning of starting as a technician, and I just remember technicians. The first category, I guess, of this is technicians saying that phrase. You can't do this because it will void your warranty with absolutely no backing from a manufacturer at all, just something they would just spout. And I think the first time I ever heard it was associated with preventative maintenance. And so if somebody said, told a customer at one point that if you don't have regular preventative maintenance done on your unit, that it will void your warranty. And that seemed wrong to me at the time. And it just like, you know, that, that just didn't, didn't sit right. And it, as it turns out, it's like, for consumer products, and I think this is something I want to say right off the bat, at least in the U.S., and I don't, I don't know if this is similar in Canada, but for consumer products, manufacturers really can't void the warranty. They can have things that are unco- that, that are not covered, um, but they, they cannot void a warranty. They cannot say, because you have done this, now the entire warranty is null and void. And I, I don't remember what the exact... Uh, you know, law is it's it's got a it's got a particular name, and I should have prepared with that. But um, but I, I looked that up again recently, and that is the case. So a lot of the stuff that you hear, especially from residential technicians, where they say things void the warranty, at least in the U.S., that just isn't isn't true. Um, but, but as far as the reason why techs say it, um, you know, I, I think it's because I think it's similar to the reason why technicians talk about the EPA. And the way that they do where they'll say things like, um, well, R22, and again, I I have to be careful here because it is very different other places than it is in the U.S. and and definitely even different in Canada. Um, But they'll say things like R22 is illegal, which is just such an unnuanced way of of addressing it. And they use it as like this hammer that you can beat somebody else with rather than (laughs) having – rather than actually having a thoughtful conversation like about, okay, here's what the – here's what the law is. Here's what – you know, here's where it is allowable. Here's where it isn't allowable. Um, here's why this isn't a good idea or a good practice. And so I think that as a general overarching um, philosophy is that 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 phrase of this voids the warranty is generally just used as a conversation hammer to say, boom, I win, you lose, you know, moving on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. And And when I go back through my career and try to think about the amount of times I never received warranty on a product, it's hard to even remember a time that that happened. And I know one specific case where it did happen. That's because I kind of manipulated a part and took it back and said, hey, it's not working. But that's because I had taken a controller and I had drilled some holes into the back to feed some wires through. And and it wasn't working. Um, after that, we installed it, but I took it back and I said, okay, this is not working. But they they opened it up. They look well. You drilled a hole in the back, so they're probably not going to give you warranty. And I, that's that's understandable to me because I kind of made some uh, made my own modifications to the part. But when I think past that, I can't think of a time that warranty wasn't given. And I'll tell you a quick story about a bunch of heat exchangers that we had. So we had three buildings, uh, pretty big warehouses, and they all had the exact same unit heaters installed and they, they were along uh, dock doors. Two of the buildings had uh, base building controls and these were sensors that were mounted on pillars, maybe about 20 feet from the door, about 15 feet in the air. We never ever had a problem with heat exchangers on those units. Building C, I guess it would be, across the way, same unit heaters, but the setup was different. There was mercury stats. These mercury stats weren't 
on the pillars that were 20 feet away and 15 feet in the air. They were right installed by the dock doors, getting all the cold drafts and all that. And the mercury stats, I mean, people, if you, you don't set your um, the heat anticipator properly, you can have these things cycling on and off, on and off. And we discovered after a couple of years of all these heat exchangers going that it was a problem with the mercury stats that was causing these unit heaters to go because, or the heat exchangers to go because they'd start, they'd run for a bit, they'd go off, draft the cold air would come, they'd start again. So it was rapid expansion and contraction. And every single one of these unit heater heat exchangers were taken back for warranty and we got warranty on every single one. Not one question was asked about how they were installed. Not one rep came to the site to check to see how the install was done. And there was no questions asked and we, we received it. So I don't know about you, but have you ever had a case where they denied you warranty or they came and checked out the site to make sure everything was installed right before they said, Hey, I'm not, or I am going to, I am going to give you warranty on this or I'm not. No, I think the closest situation that I ever had with the manufacturer was, um, Bristol made these two-stage compressors. I can say Bristol because they're no longer in business, so it, I'm safe to say the name. Yeah. Uh, nobody's going to get uh, upset about it. So they made this particular two-stage compressor, and I don't remember this particular model, but it was the it was the two-cylinder compressor that when it ran one direction, it would engage one piston. When it ran the other direction, it would engage both. And uh, they had a lot of issues with them. And so uh, we had a particular series of units that had a failure on um, a lot of failures on these. And so whenever those would fail, they would want to know specifically why, and they would want a bunch of measurements and all that sort of thing. That's the only time that I've ever, that I've ever even had an additional conversation where additional paperwork needed to be done. The only time that I've ever told a customer that something's not under warranty when is when there's a clear case of like, like they hit the condenser with their lawnmower or something, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah, yeah, there've yeah. been cases like that where, yeah. where they clearly damage the unit. And in that case, I'm protecting the manufacturer. I'm not I'm not even trying to warranty it. And we've had people say, well, well, can't you just try to run it through? It's like, well, at that point, to me, that's kind of an integrity thing. I mean, it's clearly something you did. You know, you did it. Um, but even things like lightning, like this comes up a lot in our market. We're a heavy lightning market. And people will say, well, acts of God aren't covered. And so if it was struck by lightning, is it or isn't it covered? And the reality is, is that unless I know for a fact it was struck by lightning, and how could I possibly know that? Um, I can't, I can't say that it was lightning. So I can see the fact that I have melted wires. Um, the customer could say, well, I had some other appliances damaged, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it was a conclusively a lightning strike. So there's been lots of cases that I've even suspected, you know, possibly could it have been a lightning strike? Could it have been a surge? But we still just warranty it, um, and take care of it with the customer. Um, cause I think it's still the right thing to do unless you can, unless you can be on a shadow of a doubt prove the burden of proof to me is with the the contractor and manufacturer to prove that it was something that voided it versus the other way around. And this is the problem with a lot of the conversations I've heard recently. Um, and obviously there's some, there's some particular products that this comes up with. I, are you comfortable maybe talking a little bit about the Nylog question? Oh yeah, hundred percent. So, so that's one that just keeps coming up over and over again, where people will say, if you use this, we will void. And that, you know, if this, then that relationship is, not only isn't isn't just, but it just isn't right. You know, it's like it's like one thing to say, I know this caused that, I can prove it, and so I'm going to void. That to me is a sensible um, conversation to have. But when you say it could, therefore, if you use, I will void. I, not only do I think that's um, 
not real. Like, I don't think anyone actually does that. So it's not even really worth discussing. But if they did do it, I think that would be a fairly, um, if not, I, and it's certainly probably not illegal, at least on commercial products, it wouldn't probably be, but but unethical um, practice to say, you're doing something because you're because you're trying to take care of your customer, and I'm going to come in and um, you know tell you that I'm not going to warranty a, a part or something just because I, I think that it could have caused this particular problem. To me, that just seems patently um, unethical. Yeah, exactly. So proof proof is is in the pudding, obviously, and and nobody's going to send a compressor back with a note on it saying. I did all these things that you told me not to do, but I still want warranty. So, I mean, how is anybody supposed to prove anything? And I know for a fact that the biggest manufacturer, well, I don't know if it's, it's a worldwide, but the biggest manufacturer in compressors, the first compressor that comes back to them under warranty doesn't even get inspected. It gets sent out as a warranty compressor. They just let it go. If it comes back again six months later, then then they will try to open it up and figure out what went wrong. So, I mean, this happens a lot. A lot of manufacturers, they take, they just take, take it back. And if it's the first one, then they'll just let it go. And I mean, usually by the first one, hopefully the technician or the company has figured out what killed the first one, the first time around. And when the second one goes in, it outlasts the warranty period um, in general. But I, I think that business relationships come into play here big time. Um, and you and I talked about this the other day. If if you do a lot of business with a certain manufacturer, like you spend a hundred grand in a year buying their products and you send back a couple a couple of compressors or some boards or, or whatever, a, a, a full condenser, and you say, hey, I want warranty on this because it failed within the warranty period. Since you spent a hundred grand with that company, do you think it's in their best interest to say no. I'm I'm not going to warranty this for you even though we might think that you use something that you weren't supposed to use. It's just kind of bad business. It just it's it's a bad business move in my mind because there's other other manufacturers you can use. I mean, look at look at the mini split VRV VRF um sector there that you can there's so many of them. If if you're not happy with one, you can just move along to the other. They're not going to want to lose your business. So what do you think they're going to do? in the long run to keep you as their customer. They're going to they're going to they're going to do what they need to do to keep you, right? That's my thought on it. Yeah, absolutely. And it comes down to like the nature of professional business communication anyway, which is that if there's a problem, if there's something even if let's say you know, let, let's say that you know that I'm putting some additive in your equipment that is actually damaging it. You can prove it. You know it for a fact. What's the right way to handle it? Is it to just start voiding all my warranties? Or is it to say, hey, let's meet out at a job. Let's let's look let's look at some things together. Like, like that's that's what good business communication is. Mm-hmm. And that's what gets me really angry. And and I I'm not gonna name any specific instances here, but some of you have maybe have seen me get really angry on social media. I get really, really angry when people who are representing manufacturers and are proud of it. So they say, I work for XYZ. And they're proud of the idea that they void warranties. Now, I don't even believe they do, frankly. I don't believe they do, but they're proud of it. They like to throw it out there. If you do this, I'll void your warranty. Your warranty will be be voided. They use it as the big hammer to the conversation. And for me, it's like, it's completely fair to say, this is what is fair to say for a manufacturer, is to say, here's how we want it done. 
and we haven't tested every other way of doing it. And so we're not going to tell you to do it that way because we haven't tested it. We don't know that much about it. And so we're going to stick with our way. To me, that's completely reasonable. And for them to even also say that, like, look, as a contractor, you are responsible for doing this in such a way that's going to result in uh, low, low warranties, um, happy customers. You know, those are those are part of our responsibilities. And I think any good contractor should own that. And in fact, I, I'm actually quite sympathetic with manufacturers because I'm sure that they run into a lot of really poor practices. But it's to me, it's the obvious things. It's like not not, uh, you know, pulling a proper vacuum. Um, in certain certain circumstances, not flowing nitrogen, um, you know, not making flares properly. There are some really obvious things that result in a lot of warranties, warranty issues for manufacturers. And I understand why they're cranky about that. But then when they start picking on something like Nylog that I happen to know for a fact is not causing trouble in their equipment. Um, and I know it for a fact because I've applied it on a thousand plus uh, ductless units oh, and same, without a same, single. Yeah. Same with me. No, go ahead. No, I was gonna, I'm, yeah, just, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just agreeing without with a you. Single, well, that's good, as, for, as you should, of course. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, without a single expansion valve failure. That's, that's something that I think is like, you know, they talk about how if you, you know, if you braze on a line set, for example, and you get carbon flakes, that will cause um, it, to, it to clog up the screen and the electronic expansion valve. And that makes sense. But the fact that we've used it on a Nylog on a thousand plus ductless systems and not had a single screen or electronic expansion valve plug on us, th- that that tells you that Nylog is not a problem. You know, it, it, yes, maybe if you took a whole bottle and dumped it down the line or something, maybe that, maybe that wouldn't be particularly good. But 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 that's the thing. And for them to turn around, like I've had some people tell me, well, if I was if I if I found a problem with your system, I would void your warranty. It's like, no, you wouldn't. You you just wouldn't. So stop saying that. So for for me, it doesn't make any sense why they would want to disclude Nylog from applying it to their flares because as as you've seen and heard, there's story after story after story of success with using it. So if a technician applies Nylog to 100 flares on a big job and none of them leak, I mean, that's good press for, for that manufacturer. Hey, I contractor um a over there they installed this this big uh this big install for us 100 flares no leaks our units our units awesome you know what i mean you install it right it works awesome we don't have any leaks no callbacks i don't understand why they're against it if it's preventing um service calls that make that that the service calls that could make them look bad in the long run so i i really don't understand what everybody's problem is with Nylog because like I said, it's, it's been around for years and I used it years and years and years and years ago. I had a, a senior tech introduce it to me and he called it snot. And I swear to God, it was like 15, 16 years ago. He showed it to me and I tried it and I liked it and I've tried other sealants and I've come back to Nylog and, and I'll never leave it again because I, I see the, the pure benefits of it. And, and a lot of people say to me, well, if a flare is made right, you don't need it. Well, yes, and no, but I've also seen it where in cold climates, like I am, rain, snow, ice, it gets in there, it kind of, um, the ice expands and, and it kind of lifts that that nut away in a weird kind of way and, and it can cause a leak, expansion and contraction. Um, but the Nylog actually helps create that seal and hold that seal a little bit better. So in my mind, the product is phenomenal. I just, I, I don't get why everybody, or not everybody, but there's a crowd out there that, that likes to talk down to it. And um, 
as as you said people that work for <laughs> manufacturers running around saying i'm going to void you your warranty if you use it but prove prove to me that that you've used it that that i've used it and come out to my job site cuz you're not you're not going to inspect all my flares and swab them for nylog you're not going to do it right yeah and th- and there's also the hubris of anyone including myself frankly who is sitting in an office you know a keyboard warrior uh making threats about anything, frankly, without the willingness to show up on the job site and prove themselves. And it, I don't care if you're a, tra- a lot of, I see this a lot from trainers, frankly, um, where, and again, I don't exempt myself from this either. I don't have the right to, um, aggressively criticize somebody unless I've, you know, walked a day in their boots. Um, cause again, you know, you got all these people who are working their butts off, you know, it, it's just like, I, I use vacuum as the example where you had an entire generation of trainers who were going around telling people, oh yeah, you need to pull 500 microns, you need to do a decay test, you need to do all this stuff. And we were out there in the field, I mean, I'm sure you're the same as, as I was, where I'm trying to use the tools I have and it's not working. Like, like it's not, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not getting to those levels on big equipment. I'm not getting to those levels and, and my decay rates are, are out, out of this world. You know, it's just jumping up like crazy and, and nobody's giving me a solution. And then all of a sudden, you realize that, oh, crap, everything that we were doing, our tools just weren't sufficient to do what these trainers and teachers and manufacturers were telling us we needed to do. But they weren't the ones who provided the solution. You know, they weren't the ones who came out. Uh, you know, I'll give Appian a lot of credit because I think they were one of the first ones to come out with really great solutions for this. Um, come out and say, hey, look, you know, remove cores, use larger hoses. And then all of a sudden we can pull these deep vacuums the way we always thought, you know, the way we we're always told we were supposed to. Um, but the point being that you can sit there all day and tell techs how they should do it in the field, but they're going to do it a way that actually works um, for them to move on to the next job and actually, you know, get some work done. They're not going to listen to you if what you're telling them doesn't work out there in the field. Yeah, exactly. They're not going to be insufficient or inefficient um, because the way you told them to 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 act because they got a boss um the boss has customers the customers are paying money the longer you spend on on a job um i mean if the job is quoted and has a certain amount of hours if if you're taking more hours than need be you're feeling the pressure from the boss the service manager the office whoever and and you need to get out of that job so techs are always trying to find ways to become more efficient. And and I totally agree with you. Now we have the tools and the products. And if you hop on online nowadays, you can learn a hell of a lot just by reading through comments and, um, and looking at other people's jobs really. And, and I, I remember this conversation with, with an older tech online when I first started using Nylog and I started posting about it and this guy was older. Um, I don't know, maybe mid fifties or whatever. And and he's like, man, I started using that thing. Like they're using Nylog like 10, 15 years ago on all our flares. And I make it mandatory for all our guys to use it on all our flares. And we never have leaks. Fantastic product. And I'm like, well, that just validates everything for me right there that a guy's been using it for that long, hasn't had leaks and doesn't give any negative reports about anything failing or any warranty issues coming through the pipe. That validated it for me right there. But I mean, there, there, there's other there's other ways we can talk about this besides besides Nylog. And, and I told a story 
on my little rant I did the other day, but your your audience might want to hear this. And um, this goes back to relationships with 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 the supplier or the manufacturer. So I got a pretty cool announcement for you guys. I'm I'm very excited about it actually, and I'll tell you in a couple of minutes. But as the radio guys say, like the the the, the disc jockeys, <laughs> and now a word from our sponsors. <laughs> they used to say that back in the day, right? Anyway, so you guys know my love for taking your business into the future or your yourself as a tech into the future, staying open-minded with technology. And you guys know I'm on board with that stuff. So House Call Pro and XOI Technologies, that's that's for sure one of the main reasons I'm on board with what they're doing. Because for a very like inexpensive cost, really, you can implement both of these platforms to take your businesses to another level, right? XOI with their vision platform um, and then House Call Pro with their dispatching invoicing estimating platform. So I'll leave landing pages in the podcast notes so you guys can check those out. All right. True Tech Tools, always 8% off your purchase with promo code no at all and fleer fluke and testo you can't use the code for unfortunately but like i've offered in the past if you guys want that testo uh preferred pricing link just reach out to me and i will give it to you and i've talked about this before i think recently but having a refrigerant tank in the winter time pressures drop off we got to heat it up to get the gas into the system now we got to be careful on what method we we heat the tank up to raise that pressure. I had an incident where a copper pipe blew in, into my face like a bunch of years back because we really we weren't paying attention to what we were doing. We overheated a pipe that had refrigerant in it and it blew in our faces. So that was yeah, that was dumb. Really? It, it really was. You guys got to be very very cautious of that. But guys are telling me they do this to the refrigerant tanks with the torch. Like, no, I, I wouldn't be taking a torch to any pressurized vessel. It's just me. Okay. Um, but what I'm getting to is, yes, Yellow Jacket, they've got a, a wraparound uh, tank heater. And I've done a video on it, wrote a little article on it. And it really works for what it's supposed to do. It regulates the temp and all that. Anyway, the announcement... So you guys know FLIR, right? That make the thermal image cameras and stuff. Well, thermal imagery is around and people are using it, but I'm telling you right now, it hasn't blown up as a troubleshooting method because you can troubleshoot a lot of stuff with a thermal camera. So we're going to do this little three-month stint with FLIR to demo three products, okay? And then hopefully... After that three-month stint, we continue on and do something else. But that's to be determined. But we're going to demo these three tools for you guys. So you can kind of get a glimpse into thermal imagery and how it works and how we can use it to troubleshoot some stuff. This segment of the podcast is brought to you by Harago, a trades-only platform helping you find the right job or the right candidate. Harago.com, best in trade. 
So when I was a young apprentice, maybe third year or so, I, I had this area that I worked in quite a bit. There was an old strip mall, old dinosaur unit on the roof. It had a heating problem, found a bad ignition board. Okay. I went and got another one, replaced it. That board fried, <laughs> went and got another one, replaced it, that board fried. And this thing was just a dinosaur, spaghetti wiring everywhere. I had no idea what was going on. Um, and I don't remember what the actual problem was that was frying the board. I just remember the story because the guy at the supply house took a load off my shoulders and I went back to get the third board. He's like, what's going on over there? And I'm like, man, I, I don't know. I, I'm going to probably have to get a senior tech to come out and help me, but I just know I need another ignition board because this one isn't working or the last two aren't working and the, the thing's still down. And he's like, well, where's the other two boards? I go, they're in my truck. And he's like, well, I, I said, well, what, what do you need them for? Why do you want them? And he says, well, give them to me and I'll get you warranty on them. And I'm like, but I, I damaged them. I fried them. <laughs> and he's like, well, don't worry. He's like, I'll deal with it. And I was in that supply house a lot. Okay. And he seen the stress like in my demeanor, in my face, whatever. And, and he took that stress away from me by doing that because now I didn't have to go back to the owner of my company and say, Hey, listen, we have the board and we put it in and, and everything's working, but now you're on the hook for two other boards that I, that, that, that I caused the failure to either because I, I caused the failure directly, or there was something in the unit I didn't find before I put them in that caused the failure. But this guy took these boards back and he gave me warranty and he knew it was my fault. So if they have the power, and this was a supplier, it wasn't a manufacturer. So obviously he had some sort of clout with the manufacturer where he could send them back to the manufacturer and say, hey, warranty these boards for me. Or else he wouldn't have done that, he, knowing that he couldn't get the warranty on them. So relationships in business, like we talked about earlier in the podcast, really, really help. And I think that if, if you're not, if you're not a dick and, and if you're a good person and you, you have a good business relationship with that specific manufacturer or supplier, they'll do what they can to help you out because there's business continuity there. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, yeah, what you're saying is absolutely 100% spot on. And it's like in a weird, like manly sort of way, it like brings a tear to my eye to think about, you know, just people who are looking out for each other, you know, th that guy who looks out for you and makes sure like, Hey, look, I know he's under a lot of stress. Um, and I'm just going to take care of this for him. And, and I've had people like that who at every level of business, um, who, who do that. And then you see the other side and the other side are the people who just want to throw the book at you every time they want to find every nitpicky way um, to get out of warrantying things. I mean, one thing that we had happened to us recently with a particular manufacturer is they were, they were starting to go through property record cards and finding houses that weren't the original owner. And so when we went to uh, file a warranty, they would say, Oh, well, it's not original owner. It's not covered. It's like, you know, how petty can we get? where you know that that's causing stress on me as a business because I don't necessarily always know who's the original owner and who's not. In fact, a lot of cases I don't know. And we go out and we just, we think it's under warranty because it's at a particular time frame. And now you're going to tell us that you're not going to refund us for a part we already paid for. You know, it's, it's so petty and it's so short-sighted. We're a good business, even in that circumstance, let's say they did have a policy. The right thing to do would be to say, hey, look, we're just letting you know, you know, like you need to pay, pay attention because 
you know, starting to crack down on this, but this one will let you go on. You know, it's something, some sort of human interaction is always best. And in the case of, you know, the manufacturers or, or really, and, and I don't necessarily think, honestly, in a lot of cases, I think it's a lot of rogue um, players who say things like that will void the warranty. I don't think it's necessarily the real decision makers at the manufacturing level who are always doing this. Um, but when you throw that phrase out there and use it as a hammer to beat somebody with, it's just not good business. No. Training is good business. Encouraging is good business. Going out and checking a job with somebody and saying, hey, let me just see how you're doing it. That's good business. But telling somebody you're going to avoid their warranty just, just is terrible business. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And and here's here's another one for you. And th- this this is uh, walking the line of controversial as well. And And we've all had these conversations around internal sealants. So let, let me ask you this. So I think you've seen my post actually, because I think you commented on it, that it's two larger companies in the Florida area. They're putting sealant right into brand new units to prevent, um, to prevent the evaporators from like, obviously we're getting a, a lot of evaporator leaks with, with new equipment, but they're doing this to prevent warranty callbacks for leaky evaporators. Now, let me ask you this. If, if a manufacturer knew that you were doing this on brand new systems, but even though they said, hey, in writing, this will void your warranty, but let's say in five years, this experiment that these companies are trying, let's say that experiment works. Let's say company A and B are not going back to the manufacturer every year or year and a half or every two years saying, oh, I got a leaky coil. I need another coil from you. Um, and I don't know if these manufacturers are giving time. Some of them do, I think. Some of them do in different situations. They'll give back time to the company as well. Not a lot, maybe a couple of hours to change out a coil. But if the company, let's say for three years was going back, I need a coil, I need a coil, I need a coil. And they're handing out these coils for free. But then they started putting the sealant in, brand new systems. And now they're not asking for coils anymore. Now that manufacturer is actually saving a little bit of dough. Do you think that they would say, yeah, it's in writing. You're not supposed to do that. But hey, in in a private conversation, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, (laughs) keep doing what you're doing because you're saving us money. Like, what do you think about that? Uh, So I think that this particular situation makes it a little a little tricky. Um, But but yeah, I agree that. This is a conversation that I had with our management team a couple years back, and it was actually surrounding this exact same product. Um, so, like, not a similar product, this exact same product. Okay. <laughs> um, what I told my management team was, um, do what is best for the customer always. Don't worry about the manufacturer. Now, I'm telling this to experienced people who know air conditioning really well, know customer service really well, um, know where they can bend the rules a little bit. And so we have used that product quite a bit, and it does work in a lot of cases. Um, and so if I was in that circumstance where I was getting a lot of a lot of coil leaks within a, within a warranty period, and again, there's certain manufacturers who have more issues than others. There's certain um, geographies that have more issues. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're working in new construction where you're using um, uh, foam insulation in the attic, um, that, you, know, you get a lot more formicary corrosion due to the VOCs. That's pretty much proven at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you're in those circumstances and you're doing something because it's what's really what's best, 
I mean, when I say for the customer, that's the primary. And then what plays secondary is what's best for, for your business. Obviously you've got to do, you know, we're, we're not in, we're not in this uh, as a charity. Um, but, but you're making decisions based on honestly, what's best having looked at it. Um, then I'm all for it. I don't think there's, I don't think anything is off the table at that point. Um, what I don't want people to hear though, when I say that, and this is where I'm really walking a fine line is that a good majority of technicians haven't done the reading. They haven't read the manual. They haven't had the conversations. They haven't really thought it through and they just start throwing solutions at things without really understanding it. And that's what I'm, that's what I'm, um, what a caution against because I'm not somebody who says ignore the manufacturer. I say know everything they have to say about the equipment. And then once you are educated about it, then you can decide um, where and when to maybe bend the rules and the benefit of of the customer and, and also you as a contractor in, in a way that, again, you're betting, you're making a bet, you're making a calculated risk that it's going to work out in the in the positive. And I think that's a totally fine and, and, and even correct thing to do. Yeah. So is that was that mealy mouth enough for you? <laughs> <laughs> oh no 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 no! That was fine, and 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 I'm glad you said that they need to read and 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 look and research because there are too many comments made, um, knee jerk reaction comments made uh, online, especially. I mean, face to face, not many people have have the have the wherewithal to actually say what what they think. But when they're at home on their couch, they pop the beer that they they think that they're all, all of a sudden. Uh, a tough guy behind a keyboard, but everybody has these knee jerk reactions to, to anything remotely different from what they do. And they have these knee jerk reactions before they take any sort of time to research, to test and, and, and to, to, to read up on, on the subject. And, and, and I would encourage anybody before they do anything to test, read and, and research. And I mean that 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 that's what I've done. There's a lot of products that I've used, and I won't talk about them until I've actually researched the product, researched the company, talked to the people, like the people, like their like their goals and and where they want to take it. And I won't talk about that product until I know, until I'm comfortable with the people behind the product. You know what I mean? I, I it's, it's just something I feel that that I need to do as a person that's going to tell other people about things because I don't want people to come back on me and say, Hey, why did you tell us about that? That's a piece of crap. And well, now that I can say, if somebody comes back and says, why'd you tell us about that? It's a piece of crap. Well, I'll say, I spent this much time researching, reading and, and, and looking into this. Maybe you need to do the same thing before you make a, a knee jerk decision or, or reaction or, or make a comment along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and that, and, and you, you know, you're addressing this issue that occurs that is a very negative thing of people just throwing out, um, responses to things that they don't understand. Um, I had somebody, uh, two days ago, uh, call me a hack because I was teaching people. I don't know if you saw this. They call me a hack because I was teaching people to repair evaporator coils. <laughs> Um, and, and I, I'm just, I like, just, I just laugh so, because so I, that's, that's, that's the go-to for everybody when they don't agree or don't understand what you're doing. You're all of a sudden a hack. Yeah. It's like, I, I, I'm a, I'm a hack cause I'm fixing things. Well, I don't understand. Like, I understand if you're, if you want to say that, like, 
maybe you don't think there's a lot of situations where repairing an evaporative coil makes sense financially. I, I, that's a that's a reasonable argument, and we can discuss that. Um, I understand why you say that, but but to say it's a hack to to fix something, it's like I don't I don't understand. But but that's a that's an example of how extreme it is because it's literally just I haven't done it, I'm not comfortable with it, it's not within my practice set. You're a hack, um, and that's that's just patently patently ridiculous. And to your point also about researching, studying before you talk about products. There is no product that is perfect, people. No. I mean, you know this. Whatever brand you like the very best, I don't care what it is. So let's say it's, we'll use a brand that, that, you know, that everybody seems to like, Milwaukee, right? We all like, you know, Milwaukee's a great brand. They make great tools. There's stuff wrong with Milwaukee sometimes. You know, like, it happens. It, it, that's life. There's stuff, there's stuff wrong with our practices sometimes. There's stuff wrong with the brands that we love most. And so the idea that, just because you've had a bad experience with a particular product means that it's crap or garbage or that Gary's a, a, a moron for talking about it. That's not, that's not how it works. We look at certain applications. Not, nothing, is, nothing works in every application. Um, we're just looking at things that we think are a benefit. And yes, I, I'll speak for myself here. Yes, we have, I have sponsors on HVAC School and they give me money. Um, but I'm not going to talk about products that I don't like or haven't used or haven't researched or haven't studied. And, you know, kind of looping back on Nylog, which is one of the ones that we hear the most of this sort of stuff about. I, I'm just like Gary. I was using that product um, when I was putting a semi-hermetic compressor in a uh, air conditioner on top of a grocery store. That's the first time I ever specifically remember using it. And it, it was just I was so in, amazed by it. I started using it on everything. You know, I started using it like on the on the Schrader caps because you know, I was like, this stuff is incredible. Oh, that's my go, um, my go to is the Schrader caps, man. Yeah, I mean, every little thing is it just works great. And and uh, and that was probably, I don't know, 14, 15 years ago. And uh, and so so that's what we do here is we talk about products we like. And sometimes we're going to sometimes I'm going to be wrong. You know, sometimes I'm going to say something that isn't exactly right. But um, but that doesn't make somebody a hack. It makes us people who who are willing to learn and willing to grow and willing to try things. And here's what really good businesses do. This is back to the warranty conversation. Really good businesses, when you make a mistake, you just own it. You just own it and move on, which is all I ask for manufacturers as well. If they make a mistake, they put in, you know, heavens. We know how many issues we had with F X13 motors. We know there's been issues with compressor additives that led to TXV failure. We know that there's been issues with OEM capacitor failure. We know there's been issues with ductless blowers getting filthy when nobody ever knew that that would happen when they first came out. There's been all these issues that have happened. All I ask is that people say, yeah, it's, it's an issue. Now let's find a solution. You know, that, that's how our industry works. That's what it's built on. Not telling people that we're going to avoid warranties because that's not, it's just not, it's not, it's not polite. Okay. It's not polite. It doesn't, it doesn't fly in Canada. It doesn't fly in Canada because it's not polite. We'll, we'll, we'll still, we'll, we'll stay, we'll, we'll still put the sorry sandwich together up in Canada like we always do. But, um, I, I agree with you. It's a respect thing. Um, people respect you when you man up and admit that you've made a mistake. And I learned that a long, long time ago from the first real hard nosed boss that I had. And he was very adamant about that. He's like, when you make a mistake, you own it. And ever since he told me that, I don't care about owning up to a mistake because the weight that gets lifted off your shoulders when you say, yeah, I effed up, that's my fault. Um, the weight that gets lifted off your shoulders is huge. So don't hold on to these mistakes and pretend because your ego won't let you um, or allow you to, 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 
to admit you made a mistake. There, there's no point in lying, lying through it. There's just not any point at all because it's just going to bear down on your conscience. Yeah, absolutely. And when and when you view it that way, well, then you really don't have anything to be ashamed of. I mean, I, I can't tell you how long in my career I pulled vacuums the wrong way. I mean, it's more years than I've been pulling them the right way. I can tell you that much. Two smokes and, uh, two smokes and, and a coffee. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I didn't smoke, but I mean, whatever, whatever else I was doing. Um, yeah, and 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 that doesn't mean that I was a hack or an idiot or a moron. I just it just wasn't working for me. I wasn't shown a better way. But as soon as you can see a better way, what a good technician, manufacturer, distributor does is you say, "Oh, okay, let's 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 try that out. Let's see how it goes." And that's all I ask of everybody, all the way down the distribution chain, is just own your mistakes and be willing to look at new ways of doing things that are superior to, to the old ways. I mean, how many things are we learning that are coming from the field now that are informing manufacturing? I mean, it's happening so quickly. You see the things that are coming out of some of these manufacturers and the, and the speed that they're coming out is, is so quick. I mean, even just look at even just look at Testo recently. They've made some changes to their probes that are really great changes. And a lot of that feedback came from the field. And manufacturers are starting to listen to that. And that's a really, really positive thing all the way around. It, it is. And that's one of the things I preach is if you don't like something, don't don't go on social media and, and do a hate post and call everything a, 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 a POS and what whatever. Like, there's no need for that. Go on. If you're going to make a post about something to complain, you can do it in a respectful manner and say, this is what I don't like about this tool. Maybe next time they can make this better. Like you, you don't go online and just start bashing because bashing doesn't help. R- respectful responses, um, I think they 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 go a lot further because people will listen to you when you're giving a respectful response or like constructive criticism. That's going to help them. But if you're just going on and bashing, they think you're just angry and they're not going to listen to you. So if, if you want manufacturers to pay attention to you, be respectful and give constructive criticism, not not hateful bashing. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, in closing, uh, stop saying that things void the warranty. Um, there, that's the <laughs> and uh, and don't call people hacks unless they really are, and, and and you can prove it. But even then, probably choose a different word. Or if what would gonna... be a good what would what would be a good Canadian word uh, rather than rather than calling somebody a hack? What would be a a butcher? A, a butcher. Okay, I like yeah, that. Yeah, uh, that's that's uh, that's actually a little more intense, really. Um. Yeah, well, maybe well, a little more manly yeah, though. Too hack is not really. I mean, hack seems like something that you would do to make something better. Like you, you go on these websites, like Life Hacks, they give you tips to make yeah, your life better, point. right? But you call someone a hack in HVAC, you are obviously you're you're not up to standards <laughs> to, to 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 do good work. But to me, hack doesn't even revolve around being bad. It revolves around a tip to to do something a little bit more efficiently. Huh. So maybe I should just own it. Maybe, maybe that guy was giving me a compliment maybe, maybe, and I, wasn't, maybe, I just wasn't paying attention. Maybe he was. But we all, we all know where the, where, where the word hack came from and, and how that culture developed anyway. So, <laughs> Yes, we do. Yeah. Yes, we do. All right, Gary. Well, I appreciate you, buddy. And uh, yeah, everybody, uh, take a listen to, if you're listening to this on HVAC School, take a listen to uh, the HVAC Know-It-All podcast. Um, I, I do like what you're doing over there, Gary. And um, I appreciate uh, I appreciate how you find the time to do all this and still work as many hours as you do in the field. I, I feel for you, brother. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I, I appreciate that. Uh, first of all, I don't know where I find the time. I just, um, 
I just incorporate it in, into my life and that's, that's it. So, and, and you as well, Brian, you're doing a great job over there. So, I mean, keep doing it and, uh, hopefully people tune in and listen and, and, uh, become better, not just better techs, but better people along the way. Amen to that. Preach it, brother. All right. Thanks, Gary. All right, man. Take it easy. So guys, question, did that conversation while you were listening to it, did it shift your mind in any other direction that it was already sitting about warranties, manufacturer warranties? Did it shift your mind whatsoever? If it did, I'd like to know in what way, shape or form. So you can reach out to me. Um, you guys probably know how to do that. Instagram, Facebook is the easiest. So for me, I used to be that kind of person that would think, yeah, you got to do what the manufacturer says because we're going to get in trouble. But I mean, I don't know if this is an age thing or an experience thing or just a mixture of both. But when you get to a certain point, you realize, hey, you need to pay gratitude to the people that pay you gratitude, right? Your customers, if they're loyal, they use you, they pay you. They show you gratitude by returning as a customer. So you got to show them gratitude, right? And say, hey, I'm going to do what it takes to make these guys happy because these guys show me gratitude. Anyway, just something to think about. So thank you, Brian, for the invite. It was really cool. We should do it more often. Um, until then, guys, happy HVACing. <laughs>